Greetings, and welcome to Alternative Artifacts, a museum in your ear, the podcast that explores the strange stories behind the most unique objects in museums' collections. Ever wonder how a gigantic naked George Washington ended up in the National Museum of American History? Or why there is an entire museum dedicated to the art made from human hair? Well, now you can listen to the stories of America's most iconic objects from your favorite exhibit or from the comfort of your own home. My name is Lexi, and I will be your tour guide. Our first season will focus on objects in the collections of the Smithsonian Institution. Founded in 1846 with funds donated by British citizen James Smithson, The Smithsonian Institution is the largest museum complex and research center in the world and serves as an umbrella organization managing 19 museums and a zoo. Access to all Smithsonian Institution museums is completely free to the public. Beyond these publicly accessible venues, the Smithsonian also manages dozens of research centers throughout the United States and internationally, leading scientific research and disseminating knowledge. Some of the object's stories we will explore will expose the complicated colonial history of the institution. Some will reveal how museum methods affect objects, and others will provide a glimpse into the lives of objects beyond the confines of the museum. Today's object falls into the last category. Picture this. You enter the American History Museum from the bustling D.C. Street, Constitution Avenue. You will need to head upstairs to see our first artifact. This object is so famous that it has its own special gift shop, instigated an investigation led by the FBI, and inspired a documentary. It is regarded as an object of cultural significance, despite being linked to no significant religious or political event. In the newest renovation of its exhibit, this object now sits on a pedestal in its own room, surrounded by walls dedicated with murals that hearken to the object's origin. Poppy flowers, emerald green, a sweet little dog, a girl in a blue dress. I am, of course, talking about the Ruby Slippers. An American icon visited as often as the Star-Spangled Banner and regarded by generations of movie lovers as a symbol of the American film industry. But how did these slippers become icons of American history? How did they end up property of the federal government? Why is the FBI involved in the science of their preservation? And what is the weird history behind them so few of their visitors actually know? Today in Alternative Artifacts, we investigate the Ruby Slippers. Baum's original book, The Wizard of Oz, the slippers that took Dorothy home were silver. Spoiler alert if you can even spoil something that's 119 years old. Some historical scholars argue that the fact that the slippers were made of silver was meant to serve as a symbol from American politics. In the 1960s, a scholar named Henry Littlefield claimed that Baum's fairy tale of a magical land called Oz was actually a satire. Littlefield argues that Baum's experience on the Perry, which overlapped with the establishment of the populist movement, or the People's Party in the region, was fodder for the allegory present in The Wizard of Oz. But this detailing of this allegory could make an episode all its own. So, for today's episode, we will only be focusing on the ruby-colored slippers from the MGM film and how they came to be. 
So how did the slippers we know and love today end up ruby instead of silver? During the early stages of production for the film, The Wizard of Oz, MGM Studios had a script that mentioned the shoes being silver, just like in the book. However, they decided to change the color to red during a round of script edits. There were several reasons for this change, but the most significant was actually quite simple and direct. If you recall the film, the scenes in Kansas are depicted in dull black and white. The scenes in Oz are bright and colorful. Think of the yellow brick road and the Emerald City. This was a very deliberate choice made by the film studio. While The Wizard of Oz, released on August 25, 1939, was not the first major motion picture to use Technicolor technology, the use of this tech was still very new, and many audiences had little exposure to color footage in film. Making the slippers a vibrant color made them pop on screen, drawing the viewer's attention. During the production of the film, several pairs of slippers were created using commercially produced high heels, which prop designers dyed red and added sequins and glass beads to. There are four known surviving pairs of these original prop shoes. Today, we will focus on two. First, the Smithsonian National Museum of American History is home to one pair, donated in 1979. Another museum which possessed a pair of the shoes was the Judy Garland Museum. In 2005, their pair of ruby slippers went missing. They disappeared almost without a trace, with the thief leaving behind only a single red sequin. More on this later. In 2016, the Smithsonian launched a Kickstarter campaign to preserve their pair of ruby slippers. Prior to this conservation, the slippers had only remained on display for short periods of time, yet remained an iconic object, one visitors inquired about daily at the museum. This most recent conservation effort addressed many issues facing the aging footwear. It also included in-depth research into the properties of the materials the shoes were constructed from to better conserve them and similar objects in the future. Then, the team working to restore the slippers received an odd call from an unexpected party inquiring about their research. straight out of Hollywood, the Ruby Slipper conservators were about to become forensic scientists. The call was from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, who had in their possession their very own pair of Ruby Slippers recovered from a sting operation. Suddenly, the conservation had become an investigation. The FBI asked the conservators to take a look at the slippers they had confiscated and compare them to the pair from the Smithsonian's collections. The FBI wanted to know if it was possible for their pair of slippers to be an authentic pair of ruby slippers, and perhaps the ones stolen 11 years prior from the Judy Garland Museum. Dawn Wallace, the conservator leading the project, compared the moment she learned that she may be helping identify the pair of stolen slippers to an Indiana Jones film. After all, it is not often a museum professional gets the chance to help fight crime. Upon examining the FBI's pair of slippers, Wallace knew that they were in fact an authentic pair of Dorothy's iconic shoes. This pair of shoes was in fact so similar to the Smithsonian's pair, it led to another question. Why were they so similar? What Wallace noticed while trying to answer this question was an even more astonishing discovery. When comparing the slippers side by side, it became clear that they were in fact mismatched pairs. The next question the team wanted to address was obvious. Did the swap occur before or after filming? The evidence suggests that the pairs were in fact swapped when they were made, 
and filmed as mismatched pairs, just as they were presented and preserved today. This conclusion is drawn from the fact that the construction patterns are similar between the matching shoes, but the wear patterns are similar between the mismatched pairs of shoes, suggesting Judy Garland wore and used the mismatched pairs. In other words, the prop team working on the Wizard of Oz made the two pairs of shoes separately, but at some point swapped one shoe from each pair, leading to mismatched pairs being used on the set of the film. The Ruby Slippers have developed a life beyond MGM's production of The Wizard of Oz and outlived many other homages to the iconic film, including its depiction in Disney's Great Movie Ride. They serve not only as an attraction for tourists, but as a monument to two major moments in American history, the introduction of Technicolor technology to the American people and the immortalization of a wholly American fairy tale. Today, the Smithsonian's pair of Ruby Slippers keeps the magic alive. They can be viewed daily in their humidity and temperature controlled display case at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History at 1300 Constitution Avenue, Northwest, Washington, DC. Now, here's the museum tip of the week. Did you know the Smithsonian Fossil Hall recently reopened after being closed for five years? The newly renovated exhibit features 700 fossils and tells the story of 3.7 billion years of Earth history. The only downside is that the Natural History Museum, which houses the collection, is also one of the most traffic museums on the mall. The best time to go to avoid crowds, according to a local, wait until the weather cools down. By the end of October, most of the Smithsonian's will clear up. The best time to go for an almost empty museum experience is always the month of January. Happy museum travels! Want to learn more? Show notes, including sources, further reading, links to cool stuff, and podcast transcripts for each episode are available through our Tumblr, Alternative Artifacts, podcast.tumblr.com. Alternative Artifacts is hosted through Anchor.fm, a free hosting service for podcasts of all kinds. You can subscribe to us on Anchor FM directly or through Spotify podcasts. Interested in sponsoring an episode? Have an awesome idea for an episode? Want to be a guest star? Email us at alternativeartifactspodcast at gmail.com. Theme music was created by Nord Groove and downloaded via Fuge. The sound effects were provided by zapsplat.com. Remember, there is no place like home and never stop exploring. (music) 